Good morning, everybody. Oh, bad morning, everybody. It is September the 4th, Friday, and Wall Street carked it down 808 points on the Dow Jones. That's 2.78%. NASDAQ down 4.96%. S&P down 3.5%. If you actually strip the big six, the fangs, out of the S&P 500, then last night, the fangs were down 5.95%, almost 6% as a group. Excluding them, the S&P 500 was down 2.69%. So you can see what's gone on overnight. It is a technology sell-off. There is also no obvious catalyst. In fact, the overnight news was quite good. They had weekly jobless numbers drop under a million again. And there's a bit of chatter about the CDC telling US states to prepare for a vaccine distribution on November the 1st, although noticeably that's two days ahead of the election, so it might just be a political ruse. But there you go, vaccine hope. So the the backdrop news was okay. It is simply, it seems, the herd turning on tech stocks, or as Chris writes it in the top paragraph in our pre-market section today, profit-taking and price exhaustion. In other words, no one can come up with a good reason. There are all sorts of theories, and I've got a link in the strategy piece today to an article in the Financial Times that attempts to explain the situation, and it's nothing to do with fundamentals. It's all to do with options and other complex stuff. Suffice it to say, this will scare the herd a bit, but we haven't done any cashing out. And in fact, we were quite optimistic about the market, given that this technology bubble that has driven the indices really needs to have a sober moment at some point, And maybe it started. But the rest of the market, even though share prices are down, our market's down 160, which is 2.6%. Even though the market is down, we aren't holding any of these, what you might call greyhound stocks. If I was a one-eyed BNPL bug who'd lost my objectivity, then maybe I'd be running scared today. And maybe you should be in the technology sector. They are just a blanket of 5% and 7% falls. Wise Tech down 7%, Appen down 7%, Afterpay down 5%. But for the rest of the market, there is no fundamental deterioration to worry about. And seeing as our funds and the growth portfolio is probably over-invested in recovery stocks, which are not vulnerable on price, we will certainly, as we are, outperform, although we're going to need a better market to perform. But there's not enough evidence there for us to do one of our precipitous moment cash outs, quite the opposite at this point. And we thought about selling, we're, we're holding a couple of stocks, Harvey Norman is one, which is in a bit of a retail, online retail bubble that we know is probably going to hit the fiscal brick wall before too long. And we thought about selling that, but we thought, you know what, what will happen here is this turns into a one day aberration. Maybe one fund manager in New York decided to sell there or take profits in US technology stocks and everybody just followed suit. Whether that, that may not cascade into a waterfall, it might. 
but it may well be a one-day wonder and you can't help thinking that if we go and sell stuff into the share price falls today we're going to wake up tomorrow to find Wall Street up 500 points and we're all looking a bit silly for reacting so we're just letting it go if you are trying to pick these precipitous moments and we have been rather good at that then I think you could probably say that there is a precipitous moment in technology stocks in which case if we were in all those BNPLs we might well be cashing out but we're not in any of those we're in the rest of the market and I don't see this as a precipitous moment for the rest of the market or particularly the Australian market with only is it 3.7% of our market exposed to technology if I was in a Nasdaq ETF I'd probably be cashing out but not the rest of the market so we're holding on it could obviously develop we'll take it day by day if we get another 500,000 point fall on Wall Street tonight then that probably is the top for a while in the whole market but we'll just see how it happens we are not reacting to one bad day but there is absolutely no doubt we are on alert (laughs) not alarmed as I write in the strategy piece today but definitely on alert for some further deterioration from here other reasons not to sell apart from it being a technology price thing and nothing else I've put a chart of the fangs just the big six stocks and their index in the strategy piece today and you'll see they popped out the top of a trading range they've dropped back into it but they've by no means broken the big uptrend so technology is still trending up despite this sell-off noticeably the fangs are only back to where they were seven days ago the sectors that have sold off hard are not the sectors we're generally in financials and energy they've done okay overnight and if you take the S&P 500 without the fangs involved and I've put a chart of that in the newsletter as well in the strategy piece you'll see that the fall we've seen today is nothing pivotal it is little more than a normal day in the non-fangs market So another reason for us not to do anything yet. The slightly more scary bit is the pickup in the VIX volatility index, but I'm listening to a podcast from an American newsletter that one of our members sent me a link to this morning, and they are suggesting that there is something odd going on in the VIX, which doesn't necessarily mean what it usually means, which is that it is a bit of an indicator of a pivot point of the market. Anyway, we will see. We will leave it. But bottom line, we're actually quite happy with the market today because we're not exposed to this irrational or rational, is it, exuberance in technology stocks. The economic and virus optimism hasn't changed. And that's a separate issue from the overpricing of Apple and Telstra. And this could actually work in our favour because you might see globally, but particularly in Australia, a focus rotation from FOMO greyhounds to value or Basset hounds, as I've called them. Although I, I think if you told me that you were going to invest my money in Basset hounds, I'm not sure I'd invest in your funds. So I shouldn't say that, but... We are not in the greyhounds anyway, so we're not selling anything today. Let's see if this turns into a uh, anything more than a one-day wonder. My gut feel is that people are going to be back into the U.S. technology stocks very quickly. Any commentators trying to relate this to the tech boom are confusing the year 2000 with the year 2020 when Apple makes 
turnover of 273 billion, which is forecast, by the way, to go up 10% next year. This is not the tech boom where nobody was making money. I have a couple of quick interesting things before I move on to the ETF portfolio. There's a, an interesting article talking about a copper boom. Copper heads for historic squeeze with China's demand red hot, it says in the AFR today. There are a couple of known copper proxies, which is Oz Minerals and Metals X. Might be worth a look if that was right. The ASX has released their rebalancing of the index today. You can read about that in the newsletter. I won't run through it all. And finally, before I get to ETFs, just a reminder, we had some people asking what the PE on Apple was. You can go into our stock box, remember, find a US code, S&P 500, or if it's not there, ask Tom and Tom will put it in the stock box for you. But you can you can go and look at a stock box for any S&P 500 stock. All you do is find the code, knock off anything after the dot and put dot US on the end, put it into our stock box. So I've put at the bottom of the strategy piece today, the Apple stock box, and you'll see Apple trading on a PE of 40.6 times with 46 brokers covering the stock, of which 26 have buy or strong buy recommendations and nine have a hold. There are only four that have got to sell. And the average target price is... 14% below, sorry, 14%, yes, below the current share price. The stock is up 96% in six months, 157% in a year. Biggest stock in the world. <laughs> Astonishing stuff. Anyway, no wonder there's a bit of profits taking. Right. On to the ETF portfolio. I have included it in the strategy piece today. I should have probably put it in a separate section. And I will put this ETF portfolio on a separate tab in the portfolios tab at the top of the newsletter when I get time. But today I've launched the Marcus Today ETF portfolio. This is a hypothetical portfolio. We do not yet have an ETF SMA, so there's no need to email me with questions about how you apply and what the fees are. It's just a fantasy at the moment. But this is a very interesting window on what can be achieved by timing the market through a simple ETF. Now, I've, as I've written this, I hate the idea that I might be promoting ETFs as a fabulous holy grail solution because better shares and Vanguard and iShares should be paying me to do that because there is nothing terribly special about ETFs and those groups are big American groups that do a lot of marketing and I'm doing their marketing for them. I am not trying to suggest to you that ETFs are the most fabulous thing. What I'm trying to tell you or show you or what I'm trying to educate you and us about is what can be achieved with ETFs with timing. Now to do the sales spiel on ETFs, which are of tremendous interest to millennials. And I, uh, my kids came through the door the other day saying, Dad, stop saying millennials. It's an insulting, patronizing description of 20 to 35 year olds. So I'm going to have to come up with another description. I was going to start a section called Marcus Millennials, but they've told me I can't do that because millennials is the wrong word. Anyway, young people. Is that the Anyway, 
but this is potentially a long-term solution for anyone who has got a long run-up, say 20, 35 years. So anyone who is 20 to 35, if you've got a 20 to 35 investment runway until retirement, and you don't want to have the hassle of buggering about in shares, but you do know there's a stock market out there, then ETFs offer the following. Send me a check, please, ETF providers. The ETFs offer the following. Low volatility. This is if you're in an ASX 300 accumulation ETF, say. Low volatility, dividend reinvestment. And I've explained, I've used the Vanguard ASX 300 ETF and they have, I've provided links. They all, they all do it, but Vanguard has a dividend reinvestment plan called the Vanguard ETF, Active ETF Dividend Reinvestment Plan, where when you get paid a dividend, you can elect just to roll it in to new units. And I'm guessing that that's what 20 to 35-year-olds would want to do. Maybe I'll call it that, 2035s. So you do get an accumulation index. And I can tell you as a fund manager with the ASX 300 accumulation index as a benchmark, it's a bloody hard benchmark to beat. You have to be a good stock picker. So it will do most of the time. But what you get out of an ASX 300 accumulation ETF is low volatility. You get dividend reinvestment, so it accumulates. So that's compounding is another way of saying that. You get significantly lower risk relative to individual shares. You've got significantly less vigilance required. There is significantly less admin to do. And anybody who has had their all their share trades requested by their accountant at the end of the tax year will know how significant it is to just have one trade or one holding a year compared to three trades a day. Anyway, there's significantly less admin and cost, therefore. No need to make constant decisions. You maybe make zero to five decisions a year. Low fees, easy exit and entry. They're all ASX listed. You can trade with a click and they're fairly easy to understand. Now that's a plain vanilla ETF. Nothing wonderful about it unless you can add brains by timing the market. And that's what we have been good at over the last couple of years for one reason or another. Maybe we're just good at spotting precipitous moments. But we have been able to significantly improve upon the average accumulation index return by missing the worst bits of the market most recently this year and just being invested in the best bits. And that's what we're trying to achieve is this, what we've labeled step performance, which is stepping into the market when it's going up, stepping out when it's going down, stepping back into it when it starts going up again and so on. And we can achieve that through an ETF. So to show you what that looks like, what I have done, and don't email me because I know this is a cheat and it's done in hindsight, but I've started an ETF portfolio using one ETF, only one, which is we've used the Vanguard ASX 300 ETF. Uh, You could use any one of a number of ASX matching, index matching ETFs, and I've listed them in the strategy piece today. We just had to choose one. So we've gone Vanguard. That's not a recommendation. Could have chosen any of the others and got the same result. So we've invested in one ETF. We started on 31st of October 2018, which is when all the other markers today newsletter portfolios started. And we have assumed that we bought and sold 100% of that ETF, which of course we didn't. 
Sometimes in our SMA, we went to 70% cash, for instance. But we have assumed that we have bought and sold 100% of the ETF every time we cashed out and cashed in or reinvested in the Marcus Today SMA in the last two and a half years. And there were three periods where we cashed out last year, got back in. We cashed out this year over the COVID crash, which is where the real value occurred got back in. We cashed out on June the 12th, recently got back in. So I have taken the ETF and bought and sold it on each of those dates and assumed that when we went to cash, we did nothing with the cash. In future, we could maybe put that into a cash ETF or a gold ETF or a BBOZ ETF, which does the opposite of the market. Anyway, we've assumed we've done nothing with the cash and you get the returns that you'll see in the newsletter today. And if you weren't convinced about the attractions of a low volatility, low risk, low activity, low admin cost, low fee ETF with brains, then just have a look at this chart. Because since the 31st of October, if we'd done that, we'd bought and sold when we bought and sold the SMA, then the portfolio is up 57% since inception against the ASX 300 accumulation up 12.6%. And it's returned a whopping 27.89% per annum compared to the ASX 300 accumulation 6.6% per annum, the ASX 200 2.8% per annum. And there are a couple of other little observations in there. Anyway, have a read. Uh, I've got an explanation as well of what management fees are relative to management expense ratios. In fact, I might just tell you that the management expense ratio on VAS is 0.1%. And a management fee is what a fund manager charges you, but it doesn't include the cost of operating the fund. So a management fee will be X, but the cost to you of being in a managed fund will be X plus, 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 plus. The MER, which is what the ETF quotes at 0.1%, the management expense ratio, the MER is without all the other costs. It includes all the costs. So that's the cost of running the ETF. That's all you pay compared to a management fee in a managed fund, which is the baseline of what you pay plus lots of other costs. Anyway, the MER of the Vanguard ETF is 0.1%. So you can see over the first two and a half years or so, the, the, the ETF slightly underperformed the ASX 300 accumulation just because that's the fees coming out as well. So it will expect it to slightly underperform. Notably, the A200, which is the Better Shares Australia 200 ETF, now has the MER of, we call it the 007 James Bond rate, but it's not actually because it's 07. It's 0.07%, which is below the 0.1% of Vanguard. But if you're worrying about that sort of fee difference as the reason you choose an ETF, you're missing the main point. Now, there's more to write about ETFs. For instance, why are we only in an ASX ETF? Why aren't we in the US or the NASDAQ or other markets? Uh, can't we find something better than cash to invest in when we're out of the ETF, a cash ETF? We could do that. Uh, if we're so good at timing, then why don't we have an ETF that buys the BBOZ ETF when it sells out of the market? In other words, that goes up when the market goes down. Yes, we could do that. What about taking advantage of the speciality ETFs like HAC? and FANG and ACDC, which is batteries, and CURE, which is biotechnology. Yes, we could do that. And what about hybrid ETF? I once tried to put an order on for HBRD, which is the hybrid ETF, but I fell asleep before I could click the buttons. It was so boring. Anyway, lots of fun to be had. 
but for now, I'm going to continue this ETF portfolio. I'll put it on a separate tab. I'll write about it or read, read, talk about it in the strategy section. For the moment, for now, it's 100% invested in the ASX 300 accumulation index. And our game is going to be try and time the market through the ETF. And that, that sell decision we're in at the moment, so we don't have to worry about anything. But a sell decision, well, that might come tomorrow. Actually, it might come tomorrow. Or it might come in 10 years' time. Who knows? Uh, but all we can do is keep waking up in the morning and making decisions. So uh, look out for that on a separate tab. And don't forget, at the bottom of the strategy piece, I've got the Marcus Today ETF spreadsheet. Click through to that. You can see all the ETFs. Anyway, I've gone on far too long today. You have a good day. As I speak to you, the market down 162. It's sort of a bit lost this morning, not knowing quite where to go next. No lead really from the US. The futures in the US are down 30. Notably, they're not up 300, which is what would happen if this was a one day wonder, but they're down 30. Anyway, we'll see how it develops from here. We do have the US jobs numbers, of course, tonight. Let's see what they do. Although I think the jobs picture is not really the dominating factor. It's just about the technology herd at the moment. You have a good day and I will see you in the Marcus Weekend newsletter tomorrow.